Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Mike Renner is back in studio, recovered from coronavirus. So we're going to rip through his latest 2021 NFL mock draft. We're going to go through all 32 picks, give some comments on those. And then we're back to our classic segments here, Rolling Rooks, highlighting some of the top rookie performances from the past week, Raise a Glass, our top college prospect performances from the week, and then Blackouts, bad performances from rookies and prospects in NFL Week 9 and college football week 10 let's rip mike renner I thought I'd never see you again, man. It, it was tough. It was tough. We went through two weeks. Anthony Tresh, Kadarius Tony. He did a really good job in your absence. A lot of people liked him. Good positive comments on YouTube. Positive comments on the podcast. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. But it's good to have you back, man. We needed you back. You didn't think you, you thought I was going to die from COVID? I didn't think you, you were going to die from COVID. Well, you just but thought you'd never it, see me again, I guess. You were talking brutal. all sweet about Notre Dame, so obviously you didn't think I'd be back. <laughs> I have to apologize to, to the Golden Domer faithful. Brady Quinn, if you're listening, which I know you are, every other Notre Dame fan, I thought it was going to be a Clemson blowout. And I will say this. It wasn't a blowout, but I still think they should have won you that game. You keep saying it's fluky. You it's fluky. It's fluky the, all you the, want. The Travis Etienne still... fumble was ridiculous. The Amari Rodgers fumble, yeah, you don't bank on those happening. Those are volatile. Volatile. But it was, I mean, it was a Jer- Jeremiah Sequeiromoa made a play. That's, yeah, a, that's a, a talented NFL a play. player. He said it was not a called blitz. He knew what the play was. The biggest disaster in that game. The biggest disaster in that game was the Clemson offensive coordinator. He called one of the worst games I've ever seen. You need to let DJ Cook. That guy was on fire. Like he was playing him like he was a normal 18-year-old freshman quarterback when he really needed to let him rip down the field because when they were having success was pushing the ball downfield. And, and Notre Dame, as fast as that defense is, as talented as it is, you saw them winning downfield. But when they tried to run the football, Travis Etienne was finding no yards before contact, really struggled to get things going he obviously fumbled the ball in that pitch as well congrats to Notre Dame best best career game for Ian Book too I mean I think yeah, Ian Book easily. looks way better than ever before yeah I, it's still not like enough for me to put him in as an actual NFL no, prospect he still I has freaking his, hope not like, you yeah, would have like, had to take that damn shirt that, off that guy is not that. like the arm strength still a massive concern but the points he played with was that was they even after that, that fumble too to, yeah. I thought he fumbled the game away I thought that was it yeah and they had to have it and he brought it so man that was insane though like that was the best Notre Dame game probably of my life that I've witnessed that was just I mean knocking off the number one team at home it was pretty dope before we get into the 2021 mock draft and the rest of the segments here I want to highlight and a low light from your two weeks away from the podcast suffering battling back from COVID there weren't a lot of highlights I'll just keep it real (laughs) it was like it lasted a lot longer like I was knocked on my ass like a week straight with COVID of just not being able to really do much so that sucked uh, but then the highlight was definitely Notre Dame winning on it's Saturday. A big one. It was yes. a big one. All right, let's get into your mock draft here. You can go check out Mike Renner's latest mock draft on PFF.com. Uh, he rank, you know, goes through all 32 first-round picks here. Starting, I'm going to read five picks. We're going to dive into it a little bit, and then we're going to read the next five picks. Make sure we get every single pick read on the podcast here. Starting with number one, the New York Jets take Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, surprising no one. The New York Giants at number two take Justin Fields, abandon the Daniel Jones project. You could probably get a second rounder for him at least. I mean, if Josh Rosen could get a second rounder, I I, I think you could get a second rounder for Daniel Jones. Number three overall, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Zach Wilson of BYU, not Trey Lance of North Dakota State. Zach Wilson, the BYU kid, the Mormon Mormon Montana 
the Mormon Manziel, the Mormon Mahomes. He's got every single nickname right now. I'm telling you, I see it on Twitter. He has every single M Mormon Marino. Neil Hornsby, founder of PFF, is calling him the Mormon Marino. It's incredible. But Zach Wilson goes to the Jaguars there at three. Miami Dolphins via the Houston Texans take Oregon offensive tackle Panay Sewell. And at five, the Dallas Cowboys wild that they're picking at five, but they're picking at five. Tight end Kyle Pitts of Florida. Tight end asterisk because this guy can play wide receiver he can do in the slot uh let's start with the qbs here first three picks are all quarterbacks we don't have to dive into trevor lawrence a ton i think that one is a given regardless of how he rebounds from covid but let's talk about justin fields at two and zach wilson at three yeah the fields one i think he's playing his way into you know putting it in pen that he's going to be the second player the second quarterback drafted off the board if or the first if someone likes him over trevor lawrence like i think he's three straight games of elite 90 plus grades start off this season really not missing many throws the only sort of knock in his game through three weeks is holding on to the ball still Mm -hmm. that's still what he does like it might just be who he is but i don't think that's a huge issue with how athletic he is and how accurate he is with football so he's there too and the giants decision like if they're drafting at two this year which obviously they're still in line to draft at two or no, they, after the win this week, I think they're not in line anymore. Mm-hmm. Too. But if, yeah. they, if they get into a top three pick and they have a chance on one of these quarterbacks, one, I don't think Dave Gettleman's going to be there as GM. You can't go backwards every single year in your GM tenure for three straight years and expect to stay honest GM. So I don't think he'd be there in that, that point. No one's tied to Daniel Jones. I think they would be willing to move on. But you have to be willing to move on from Daniel Jones. Like his sort of ceiling I don't know what it is, but we've never seen him play elite football. Not even at college, not at any point, you know, in his NFL career. There's been flashes for games, and they haven't even been that dominant in performances in any single games. He just beats up on the Washington football team. That's it. That's the only team he looks good against. Everyone else, he just does not look like a franchise-type NFL quarterback. So if the reports that they're holding on to him and are going to have him uh, as their starter heading into 2021 are just absurd to me. Yeah. That, that's just not where the NFL game is going. You have to recognize and be willing to, I don't want to say give up on these quarterbacks right away, but recognize that a lot of these guys are, you're hitting within your first two years or you're not hitting. Mm-hmm. You cannot keep pinning your hopes to these guys. So that one to I me, love that Daniel Jones stat, by the way. He's 4-0 in his career against the Washington football team and or Washington profound name. He's one in... 13 or one in 16 17. against every other team. Yeah. And the only other win he has is where he threw for a single guy, single game high uh, uh, passing yards under pressure. The most we've ever seen in the PFF era dating back to 2006. So a very volatile fluky win against Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game. Very insane in terms of like the teams he's beat. It's, it's a, it's a wild stat line for uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. But so off the giants though, and on to Zach Wilson, because that's obviously the headliner here, BYU QB, this is real. Like he, after his bo- win against Boise State, he is a legitimate top five pick type of prospect in this class. Arm strength, mobility, accuracy. He has shown it all this year. Level competition, it's not good. But when you look at what guys like Josh Allen and uh, J- Jordan Love did against similar competition in the Mountain West, night and day, Zach Wilson looks the much, much better prospect compared to those two guys and what they did coming out. And then obviously Josh Allen went top 10. Jordan Love still goes first round, and you can get you know seriously considered Zach Wilson to be QB three, and most people are coming around to that at the moment. Zach Wilson right now leads all college quarterbacks in PFF passing grade at ninety four point two, eighteen big time throws, just three turnover worthy plays, and like you said, the the arm talent is there, the athleticism is there. He's making it out of structure, and I thought there were only three point favorites on the road against a very good Boise State team on the blue turf, and 
that defense was heralded going in heralded going in and he just lit him up it, it yeah. wasn't even close it was it was a very dominant display and even you said this i, I think uh anthony tresh said this if he goes into boise state and puts on a show like he did he'd start entering that qb3 conversation he obviously did in your latest mock draft and i think other people are getting around to it as well uh any thoughts before we move on on the peninsula to miami dolphins i think that makes sense even though they just drafted austin jackson of usc he has not looked great out of the gate i think when you have an opportunity hurt. to bring in a generational offensive tackle prospect as you've stated with peninsula i think you do it and then for kyle pitts first skill player off the board are we committing to that right now that one I, i'm not that's a little hot that's a little on. hot but I think he is that type of talented that someone's going to fall in love with him in the top 10 cervix. If TJ Hawkinson goes eight, God. Kyle Pitts deserves to go. I don't know if that's <laughs> you know? I, don't I don't know, know that that's, that's fair, comparison. but yeah. That's funny. Uh, number six, the Atlanta Falcons take linebacker Micah Parsons of Penn State. Number seven, Washington football team take quarterback Trey Lance of North Dakota State. If they're picking at seven and still have an opportunity to take Trey Lance, I think that's a good that's a good move for that team. Yeah. Number eight, Los Angeles Chargers take edge defender Quiddy Pay of Michigan. Uh, and New, New England Patriots at nine take wide receiver Jamar Chase. That would be a treat. Jamar Chase of LSU opted out of the 2020 season, but man, is a stud. And we saw that with Joe Burrow in 2019. Number 10, Minnesota Vikings take edge defender Gregory Rousseau, another 2020 opt out of Miami, Florida. I want to start with Trey Lance going to the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback three entering the season. You know, we talked to Daniel Jeremiah before the season. He said he's borderline quarterback two. For him, you see Daniel Jeremiah just recently tweeting, "Okay, I'm getting around on this Zach Wilson kid. I think you could start to see a shuffle for him." I don't think I, I don't want to bring up the Central Arkansas game. It is not the Central <laughs> Arkansas game that is driving down Trey Lance's stock and driving up Zach Wilson's ahead of him. <laughs> it is the fact that the same reasons we had concerns going in: the sample size, 18 dropbacks a game in 2019, didn't get a chance to play more than one game in 2020, and. The level of competition is still bad. And you saw him grade well, of course, and he's got the arm talent. People, You've made the comparison to Taysom Hill, but with a better arm. Does he get outside the top 10 with some of this, or do you still think the tools are enough? What we've seen is enough for the North Dakota State prospect. I think what we've seen is enough. It's more than supply and demand at that point. What teams are going to be in the top 10 needing a quarterback, wanting to go get a quarterback. I think Washington 100% is one of those teams at this point. They've all but given up on Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, I mean, he had just a serious injury this past week also. He's not the quarterback of the future. I think everyone can recognize that in Washington, even as much as they do love him. Trey Lance, the biggest thing right now with him is he's just not going to have played football in a year. You know, And when he did play football, like you said, 371 career dropbacks. That is not a lot. That is, you know, half a season at Washington State. You know, compared <laughs> to like that's that's just not a lot of football to see a guy play at the quarterback position where sample sizes matter and, you know, performing over a large number of games matters, and we just haven't seen that with him. So I think that's the biggest worry. But the tools are there that someone's going to still fall in love with, and with good reason. They're pretty prodigious. The, the draft's not going to shake out this way, but how it's currently projected, I think the Atlanta Falcons, who you have taking Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. a, a really good ri- uh, linebacker prospect, I think there's a chance they swing the bat on Trey Lance at six. Then mm-hmm. you have the football team taking Lance. The Chargers... As much as you know, as well as Justin Herbert played, I don't see them taking a quarterback. But the Patriots at nine are another team that you could see if Trey Lance fell to nine and the mm-hmm. Patriots are taking there. I think they're another team that would swing the bat. And then you have the Vikings at ten, who they just won this past week. They're not going to be picking inside the ten, top ten most likely. But that's another football team that I think there's a ton of football teams, even with Matt Ryan under center, Kirk Cousins under center, Cam Newton. I think there's teams that want to swing. Every the bat time you keep saying football team, I just keep thinking of Washington. Yeah, and you say there's a ton of football teams. Oh, true, true, like, true. I can't, there's th- no, that's only tough, one. That's a tough one. 
Um, the, some of these other picks in the top, what I was saying is that there's a lot of teams that would swing the bat in the quarterback if they're drafting the top 10. It, it, I think in the past it's been, oh, they don't need a quarterback. Oh, this guy's still progressing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are in that position where their quarterback is aging or they're two years in or one year into a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback that's not panning out. And this is a different conversation kind of all together, but I do wonder if you see you know, Tua talking about Lola look great this past week. Justin Herbert's obviously looked great the entire year. If you do see teams, you know, you had Washington and you had Detroit and you had the Giants or the Giants, whatever, but you had those teams pass on two quarterbacks that now look like franchise quarterbacks that look like guys that they would rather have Washington and Detroit than who they have right now with what they're playing. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if you're see, you'll see teams more willing to say someone like the Atlanta Falcons, oh, we have Matt Ryan, but we bottomed out and we have this top 10 pick and a chance at a quarterback. Maybe we swing that bat there mm-hmm. uh, because of how valuable that position is. Uh, knowing that, you know, even if we hit on a guy like a Micah Parsons, it's not going to move the needle near what a guy like Trey Lance could do for us. Number 11, the Cincinnati Bengals take offensive tackles. Ooh, one, one more guy I wanted to hit Go on ahead. here because Quidipe, first edge off the board after how he's played to start this season. I think that one is His technique is so likely. much improved. I don't, I don't understand. He is winning with pass rush moves we simply did mm-hmm. not see in 2019. And I don't understand how it happened. I, you can't, how do you improve that much in an abbreviated offseason? I, I am blown away by how much better he looks this year. Yeah. Like I, There are moves, again, you did not see in 2019 that he's pulling off. And it's another conversation like the Zach Wilson versus Trey Lance where it's if you're NFL GM, and you just saw a guy do it for a whole fall on the football field at a in high the Big level. Ten? In the Big Ten compared to Gregory Rousseau, who sat at home all fall. I mean, he sat who had he's working his butt off. And, he's very, and yeah, had similar sort of, he didn't have an elite production profile back in 2019. Probably going to lean, you know, when it's two freak athletes, you're going to lean towards the guy who you just saw do it. Plus, Pay's got the better story, man. Former Rhode Island running back, three-star recruit. They both have cool names, though. They if do have cool names. If going name scouting, I think that's a wash. That's fair. That's fair. Cincinnati Bengals picking at 11 in this mock draft. They take offensive tackle Sam Cosme of Texas. Uber-athletic offensive tackle there. Pair him up with Jonah Williams, who very much has looked apart when healthy this year. Yeah. Uh, number 12, Carolina Panthers take Patrick Sertan of Alabama. 13, edge defender Jason Owe, Penn State. 13. That's high, Mike. I like it. 14, Denver Broncos take linebacker Dylan Moses of Alabama. And 15, San Francisco 49ers cornerback Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. Let's start with Owe. I know the Detroit Lions love some athletes along the edge, and they've tried to throw a resource at it with Trey Flowers, added Aquara. The Aquara brothers are both there. Um, added Danny Shelton, the former first-rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding Jason Owe here. Is he instantly their best pass rusher? <laughs> I don't think so. He's still a project to me. But when you have a guy who's six foot five, two fifty two, runs reportedly a sub four four, when he has that freakish of tools, <laughs> and he's producing better on the football field this year, and I think the even the bigger thing is he looks better against the run, looks stouter, and is playing with better leverage. Uh, I, I think in that regard, that's why he couldn't even see the field in the past. I think teams are going to fall in love with those tools, even if he's not maybe producing like a Chase Young, like a, you know, an elite level that you would normally think of for a top fifteen pick. When you're that freak of an athlete, you're going to go top 15. So far this year, an 80.8 PFF grade on 155 snaps and has 13 total pressures. Really lit Indiana on fire. And the Lions, I don't know how a team, like I've, a team has been so bad at affecting opposing offenses for so long. Like I mean, we've talk, we talked no to big pass snacks. rush for multiple years in a row now. It's, it's sometimes it's not a talent problem, but like they still don't have a ton of talent also true you combine those two you combine some coaching issues yeah. with some lack of talent i mean you're gonna get a pretty <laughs> dire situation got. uh two more names i'll bring up in this little five-man slot here 
Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley both going inside the top 15. Are you convinced that Patrick Sertan is going to be that cornerback one in this class? It's tough. He has looked very good this year. He had that loss against Tennessee, Josh Palmer the, on the go route that I still don't think he's going to test great in terms of like speed wise. I think he's going to be a four or five ish sort of guy. I don't think he's going to run low four fours, which you would usually think of as a top 15 pick. But man, the sort of the pedigree there of starting fresh as freshman year at Alabama has gotten better pretty much every single year. The size, the, you know, bloodlines, there's a lot that even if he doesn't run a four, four, I think teams are going to say, I think this guy's going to be good in the NFL and I don't blame him. And what about Caleb Farley? Do you think there's a chance that he got to jump Sertan or what? <laughs> that one, I don't know. Like, Farley again, has the tools. Farley has he, he definitely does. He's going to run. I would imagine the four threes, great size length, just another guy where I wonder what the NFL is going to do with some of the opt-outs that weren't utterly dominant. Like the Penny Sewell, Micah Parsons, you don't need to see another snap of them. You know they're, those are studs. Caleb Farley, you could have seen more to really feel confident about him. So I, I will be interested to see how he has sort of the NFL season after that. What, what has been your – sorry to deviate a little bit. Talking about the cornerback class, we had Benjamin Solak on last week with uh, – talked about Sean Wade a little bit. What was your opinion of that Penn State game where he kind of got lit up a little bit and so great. far this year playing outside corner? I thought so – and I'm not sure if you listen to our podcast, but with Sean Wade, I thought the the losses at the catch point are going to be the ones that get shown on the highlight reel where he had like the three-handed snag by Dotson. But there are a handful of times where he's playing press on the outside and the dude's just toasting him to the inside on quick slants and digs and stuff like that. That were the bigger concerns for me. And that's where I feel like Sean Wade playing at the line of scrimmage di- didn't show out, did not show out against Dotson. Yeah, he had, I mean, he has the size and sort of the, want to to be a press corner but even when he was playing in the slot at Ohio State it never was great him coming up and playing press coverage and I think we've kind of seen that this year yeah all right 16 through 20 here 16 the Miami Dolphins take wide receiver Jalen Waddle of Alabama one of my favorites in this class 17 Las Vegas Raiders continue I love this continue to throw resources along the defensive line defensive interior Christian Barmore of Alabama 18 Chicago Bears take a riser a massive riser in the pre-draft process right now offensive tackle Christian Derisaw of Virginia Tech 19 Philadelphia Eagles take your guy linebacker Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa of Notre Dame unconvinced that's an upgrade over Nate Jerry but we'll see we'll just have to see how <laughs> they're the like tape similar plays athletes <laughs> uh, and then number 20 Cleveland Browns take wide receiver Devontae Smith of Alabama a guy that man uh, here's another guy we talked about last week who maybe doesn't have the athleticism the speed that people want the receiver position but turn on the tape Look at the consistency in production. With Jalen Waddle out, this guy's seeing a target share that's absurd and delivering ball skills out of his mind, doesn't drop anything, even contested catch situations. He's going to be one of my favorites in this class, regardless if he doesn't test as well as some of the others in here. I just, I don't buy that he's not going to test that well. Yeah, I agree with that too. And speed has not been a concern for me up until I think we saw Jim Nagy say that he's going to be a 4 5 guy. A couple other guys say he's going to be a 4 5 guy. If he clocks. Like a four five five plus, I'd be stunned. Like he can get on top of people. I, I say, put in my notes. Four five guy, like Dalvin Cook was a four five guy. No one ever thought Dalvin Cook was anything other than like an elite home run threat at running back position in college. And then he runs four five because I don't know his get off was pretty bad for a running back comparatively. But when he's at his top speed, no one's catching him, and that's kind of how I feel about Devontae Smith. He can still win on a vertical route tree. I put it out in my notes like every week. Like you yeah. see him winning down the football field all the time and like legitimately creating separation against single coverage. Couple, but what, Jalen been- Waddle will go ahead of him, I would bet, <laughs> even after yes. the ankle injury. Just like Ruggs did. He is, yeah, because he can't teach that type of speed. Like Devontae Smith, fast enough, 
Jalen Waddle, different level altogether, and looked like when he was healthy this season, looked like he could actually get open on the deep route tree. Like it was actually attacking the ball well down the field. And man, pairing him up in Miami there too would be fantastic in my opinion. I hope I hope that actually happens. Uh, let's talk about Darisaw okay. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously a riser, a new name in this mock draft, someone we didn't highlight as as a top thirty two pick entering the season. What have you seen from him? Yeah, going to Chicago Bears at eighteen, their O line in shambles this year. Darisaw massive step forward he kind of just has that that physical profile at tackle where agile powerful like anything you want him to do he can do and that goes top 15 20 in the nfl draft because of how physically demanding a position it is there's just not a lot of good lord only made so many six foot five 300 plus dudes that can move and are strong and he's definitely one of them at this point and has really improved in the run game this from last season to this season gotten a lot stronger it seems number 21 jacksonville jaguars via the los angeles rams in that uh jalen ramsey trade takes safety trayvon mulrig of tcu indianapolis colts at 22 take the former five-star freak tyson campbell of georgia who has gotten beat a bit this year i think there's a couple reps he'd like to have back but Mm. like this is this is a traits league man this is a tools league especially at the cornerback position and tyson campbell holy god does this guy have some traits uh 23 arizona cardinals running back travis Etienne of clemson the guy who fumbled away the clemson win for me 24 baltimore raven edge defender uh carlos basham jr boogie basham if you will out of wake forest and at 25 you have the green bay packers adding a receiver this is a bold take hot take adding a receiver in the first round Rashad Bateman. I know. Unrealistic, right? They're Unrealistic. Which is weird. I want to start there. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers want to add receiving talent along Devontae Adams, alongside Devontae Adams mm-hmm. to give Aaron Rodgers more weapons. Bateman and Adams have a very similar skill set. People talk yeah. about building, you know, the receiving core like a basketball team. You gotta have your stretch four, you gotta have a guy who can hit threes, all that type of stuff. I think what, what's your opinion of that and, and what's your opinion of adding a guy like Bateman who has a similar skill set? See when the Packers were really at their best, twenty eleven. You had Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, all almost nearly identical sort of skill sets in that they had really good ball skills and were really good route runners. They weren't, no one was the designated deep threat, no one was the designated possession guy. So on any given play, they could, any of them could do anything. I think that's kind of how you want to build a receiving core, kind of like what Dallas has down there, where any given, uh, now they haven't necessarily used it that way, where CeeDee Lamb just stays in the slot, but I think that they all have versatile skill sets. Rashad Bateman is another guy who just he can do whatever you ask him to do, mm-hmm. kind of like Devonte Adams. And I think the more the more guys you have like that, the more the, like the more versatile you can be as an offense. So I that would be like I would I really hope it's Baxter if I can get <laughs> I, Rashad I think Bateman. The, I, I think the poor man's way of building a very good receiving core is building out like a basketball team because you can get a Cole, I, I want to bring up the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. You can get a Cole Beasley type for cheap. You don't have to draft him in the first round mm-hmm. to get a Cole Beasley. You can add John Brown, a pure speedster that wasn't coveted by other people in the league, but you get him on a decent deal. But Stefan Diggs, that true route runner, that true separator, sticks mover, is a guy you trade a first round pick for to yeah. kind of complete that basketball team. If you want a receiving core like the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to have to trade multiple first-round picks for Amari Cooper. You're going to have to spend a first-round pick on CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. What was Michael Gallup, a second-round pick? Guys, yeah. yeah, you're going to have to spend to build mm-hmm. a receiving core like the Dallas That's Cowboys. Fair. And in this situation, obviously, Devontae Adams is a otherworldly wide receiver, and you're spending a first-round pick to try and get close to that. Let's talk Travis Etienne before we jump. I'm not taking Travis Etienne in the first round, Mike. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not either. Okay. But this Arizona Cardinals team, again, there's certain teams where a running back and their running ability – could have value and when you're pairing it up with a quarterback like Kyler Murray and you have two guys running like four three forties in that backfield it's scary for opposing defenses you can do more with him 
when you're in a situation like that. And so, I mean, I remember when we thought Travis Etienne was going to uh, declare, and we kept talking about the fit to the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Yep. Adding with that running uh, with that quarterback, I, I think that speaks to that, that as well. Is that is a, a way you know, that a running back can be actually a little bit more valuable in our eyes is in an offense like that. The ones I want to highlight here, though, one, Trayvon Morrig's playing out of his mind of late. The dude has six pass breakups in his last three games. Uh, only allowed five of 15 catches over that span. He is balling for TCU. I think he's going to be a first-rounder. And then Tyson Campbell, the one we talked about, physical tools, Indianapolis Colts, that's what they covered at the cornerback position. Six foot two, 200 pounds. They want those press cornerbacks. If they, they are, have been more than willing to take chances on those guys, defensive side of the ball, that haven't necessarily been locked down guys, but they fit that defense. Length athleticism. I yep. mean, that's exactly what they have uh, there. Not with Xavier Rhodes much, but he has got length. And same with Rocky Sane. And same with Marvell Tell. Like they, and Darius Leonard. Like, they have yep. these guys. Bobby Okariki. They want I them. asked Darius Leonard last year, and when we did the live show, I said, do you ever look around the locker room and say, damn, we're, like, really long, all of us? And he said, no. Wait, <laughs> you asked him if you look around the locker room and ask if we're really long i feel like that's an interesting question okay yeah that's no, not the that best not place to I, check that i phrased that it better at the time but he still said no <laughs> i'm sorry do you ever look around the locker room and be like man we're really long i freaking hope not that's all i'll say that all right i'm gonna read the last few picks here and then we're gonna jump to our segments uh 26 tennessee titans wide receiver rondell moore of purdue I'm taking more over Bateman. I'm sorry. Okay. I like more over Bateman, and I'm, I'm going to stand by that. But you have him going just one pick after to the Tennessee Titans, which I like that a lot. New Orleans Saints take tight end Pat Fryermuth of Penn State, even after Adam Troutman's big game? Come on. Yeah. Come on. And, I mean, they already have uh, – what's his face? Jared Cook. No. I was going to say Taysom Hill is basically there. Oh, Taysom Hill, true. Oh, of course. Uh, Buffalo Bills cornerback Darion Kendrick, the former wide receiver, that's now playing corner for Clemson, who has looked awesome, by the way. He is a hashtag fun-to-watch player. 29, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take edge defender Brenton Cox Jr., the king of the spin move. Have you seen this guy's spin, spin moves? This guy's got an absolute – similar to um, Brian Burns. Brian Burns is yeah. like – massive counter was a spin. Brenton Cox Jr. can turn it on. Kansas City Chiefs – Spin was a good indication of like coordination in my book. And, and, ath- and athleticism can't, can't, and burst. You can't pull off a spin unless you got some legit juice. Josh Allen had a shitty spin move in college. There we are. And now he's Brian Burns' better. So. <laughs> Number 30, Kansas City Chiefs take linebacker Nick Bolton, the athletic piece there from Missouri. Uh, 31, the New York Jets via the Seattle Seahawks. They're not, they're not picking 31 because they get there. Mm, via the yes. Seattle Seahawks, offensive tackle Leather or Alex Leatherwood of Alabama. And 32, I kind of like this one. I want to start here. Quarterback Kyle Trask of Florida. Do you think he's... Worthy of a first round pick? Are you going to have him in the side, the top 30, top 40 on your final big board, you think? Or do you think the quarterback position, as coveted as it is, you do see him sneaking into the first round? That one's tough. He's, he still needs to prove a little bit more to me because he's like a pure pocket guy. You're not, you're really not doing much more with him in terms of adding on to the running game, plays outside the pocket. And that's just, those guys are going away in the NFL that just are. So, um, he has looked very good though this year, and this past week against Georgia was also another very good performance from him. So I, I, I just need to see more because last year was purely like a tools-based projection. He really did not make as many plays down the football field as he has so far this season. So I'm hesitant. Just give me more time. I'll just say. Exciting mock draft, Mike. Make sure when's when's your next one come out? Next month? A couple weeks? Let's get quite. We got to see some more of Pac-12 and get the NFL draft order shaken out here a little bit. All right, we'll get more of that. But um, until next time, until the next mock, let's go ahead and jump now to... But Well, before we jump, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. 
Two for One Drafts is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, let's dive into the rolling rooks here, the top five rookie performances from this past week. You go ahead and read them off. Number one is going to be Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. It did not look like it was going to start that way. If you saw the throwaway that he had early on in the game, that was just that, – that was like a classic, like the game's moving too fast and I'm going to throw it away to a guy who almost picks it off out of bounds. That was awful, but honestly the rest of the game from there was – high-level quarterback play. He was playing lights-out football. The drive he had at the end of the third quarter where he had multiple plays, multiple scrambles, had a ridiculous third-down conversion where he's throwing it before Devontae Parker's even out of his – even stopping on a hitch route, going up against Patrick Peterson, picked on him twice and completed in front of him. That was a – that was a fantastic performance from Tua Tagovailoa. So he deserves the number one spot this week in the Rolling Rooks. Yeah, that throwaway was interesting. He almost came down with that interception. But I, I thought Tua Tungavailoa, what I felt like I was most impressed with, late in that game, he turns it on and, and really looks good under pressure. He, he had a couple of scrambles that really saved them from sacks and moved mm-hmm. the chains on multiple multiple gains there. And also, he's putting some juice on some of those throws. Everyone hates his arm, and I don't think he has a great arm by any means, but he was he putting enough on there. He was putting enough on there to fit it into some windows. Yeah, it looks a little stronger than what we saw at – Alabama, and I think he's George recovering had the from take. that hip and just firing it to the hospital. George had the take that he's stronger from, from rehabbing, and he looks, he definitely looks a little more solid than he did at Alabama in terms of just his size. Well, who's number two? Number two on the list, Jerry Judy. Uh, that the go fake touchdown was just absurd. That, that hitch route he left was it AJ Terrell just dusted him. Like mm-hmm. that was. To, to blow past a guy like that was that gets you a spot on this list also, but he had over 100 yards on the day. 
Yeah, he had a drop. Yeah, he had a fumble, whatever. I don't really care about that. The getting open part, he was good at. I, I thought, so obviously there's the one where he throws up the hand and then stops and then makes the touchdown against A.J. Terrell. Sam Monson on the NFL podcast was saying, that's a move you don't use until you're five years in your... I was just, buddy, I'm using that in flag football all day long, okay? I've been selling that deep with the... And turning back. I don't have the as smooth of a cut, I'll yeah. tell you that. But I've been selling the deep route with the hand up since I was five years old. I'll just say that right now. Jerry Judy's taking it after me. I, I think also, though, the one go ball he had was almost as impressive yes because he gave the guy the little oh i'm not the ball's not coming my way and then turned it on like his, he, he his, gave a slow um, up and then turned on the gun the juice at the end so like he, sh- he was hip to hip like had not stacked the db i forget who it was maybe kendall sheffield and then just turned it on he was varying speeds really well yes. i put in my notes multiple times that out of, out of sometimes out of his release he'd come out like a bat out of hell and sometimes he'd kind of slow it up and then turn it on down uh, late I thought again he's an elite route runner you know uh, one of the best route runners in the NFL right now like that's yeah. how good Jerry Judy is I love uh, what he put on tape this past week number three I'm gonna go ahead and say this name I, I really like what Devon Hamilton has done like Devon Hamilton the defensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars a former Ohio State standout also went to the senior bowl I will say this he's still kind of just a guy as a pass rusher like, I mean, I, I still feel like he pushes the pocket a bit. He's not like a guy who wins early in the snap, who's just like has this like big uh, club move or anything like that. But he pushes the pocket well and is rarely beat against the run. He had one one play in this game where I felt like he got you know beat on a double team. But outside of that, you give him one on one situations like he's flowing to the ball well and really affecting the play. Yeah, and this was I mean he was going up against Nick Martin. It was no slouch. It's not like he's going up against some backup guard and dominating four pressures in this one. And the thing I loved about him is. You kind of said he's not a great pass rusher, but to me, he knows who he is, and he's not trying to be Aaron Donald's pass rusher. He's not throwing a ton of moves at you. He's just getting off the ball, getting in your pads, and then trying to bull rush you back into the quarterback, just trying to collapse the pocket. That's He knows who that's who he's going to be at the NFL level, and I think he did it really well in this game, and that was uh, a really nice, impressive kind of all-around performance, and he gets so low off the ball. Like I, I, I think as in terms of run defense, you've seen the switch from him flip, and he's going to be one of the better nose tackles in the league sooner here rather than later. Number four, Damian Lewis. Yes, Damian Lewis, probably his best game as a pro. I believe he didn't allow a single pressure. And then the, the, my favorite rep, though, was the – I think it was in the middle of the third quarter. It was a rushing touchdown. He gets Ed Oliver going upfield, used the slingshot move on him, which don't know the slingshot move. It's kind of like – the guy's getting upfield, then you just use his momentum to throw him even farther upfield so that the running back has just a massive crease to run through. That's a that's not like a move rookies do. When we talk about the throwing up the hand, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy, this one's probably even more impressive. You don't see rookies doing the slingshot move at the NFL level this early on in their career. So I think seeing that from a guy like Damian Lewis, just because of how quickly you have to make that decision to go for it, really encouraging for him and obviously he's been great in the run game all year long yeah he's been grading really well i thought so he's been grading really well and a handful of those like positively graded plays have been him at the line of scrimmage just burying some kids but in this game i thought there was some really impressive reps at the second level like get in front of Trey man Embens, get in front of uh, the other linebacker there like i thought his second level blocks too were really impressive in this one one of his better games i think i wrote read um the nfl takeaways article that came out on pff.com is one of the highest single game grades we've ever given a guard Mm. Dating back even to 2006 in a mm. single game. So Damian Lewis showing out the former LSU guy. One of my favorite guys to interview, too. The guy who's like, I just want to kill people. I do it for my mom. I was like, oh, wait, you're, you're hurting people for your mom. He's like, yeah. I was like, wow, this guy's, uh, this guy's, ta- this guy's got talent. Feel uh, different. <laughs> uh, number five. Number five, Neville Gallimore, Dallas Cowboys. And boy, did they need someone at the defensive tackle position to look good. And he did in this. Well, obviously, he has struggled a bit this year heading into this one but in the run game 
looked like a different dude in this one. Like he was getting upfield, you know, altering the line of scrimmage, had a handful of disruptive plays and also three stops in the run game. Like third round pick, uh, very athletic, kind of a phone booth guy. I don't still don't trust him to be ever much as a pass rusher, but they, they just needed someone to really step up in the run game because those DTs suck for yeah. Dallas right now. I, I thought what was impressive for him, I, I think some of his best reps at Oklahoma is where he'd explode off the ball and just fly into the backfield yeah. kind of uncontrolled. And then, like, yeah, the penetration was good, maybe disrupts the play. I thought he was disruptive without being, like, over-penetrative. I didn't think he was, like, Oof. singing into the backfield. Over-penetrative. But I remember, and this is probably stupid for you even to say, but I remember when I was getting coached in high school, there was sometimes where I say, you can get too much penetration on a run block or in the, against a run. If you can that get, was the uh, argument against Aaron Donald, right? Yeah, maybe it is the argument against Aaron Donald. Yeah. But I think he was getting proper penetration, staying in his gap, staying at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. more controlled, more balanced, and making plays against the run. I thought, again, a lot of people on Twitter, were saying it's Neville Gallimore's kind of coming out party. Uh, I thought he looked really good in that game as well. All right, raise a glass segment here. Moving to college football. Three na- two names that we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. And another one that if, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might have heard this name before. Undersized Iowa offensive lineman. Super athletic. That's playing well. Go ahead and give it to me. Raise a glass for Tyler Lindebaum, the center for Iowa. And so we talked about him before. He was form- defensive line as a freshman. Switched to center last year. Played at like 200 200- 65 270 pounds he looked so out of place now up to 289 doesn't look out of place doesn't look quite as athletic as he was last year isn't flying around quite as much but still very athletic and has yet to allow a pressure this season 89.2 grade this past week against michigan state has an 85.4 grade on the season i didn't think he would come out this year as a redshirt sophomore i thought it was a pipe dream but man he's playing really well and i still think he needs that's a beef he does, but I, I do think the leap we've seen from him this season in terms of how much bigger he's gotten, uh, how well he's playing this year, I could see him, you know, if he plays like this the rest of the Big Ten season, I could see him getting high grade from the NFL and being willing to make the leap. Number two on this list is Zach Wilson of BYU, who just lit Boise State on fire. I, think, I don't think the turf at Boise is blue anymore. It's red, and it's because Zach Wilson just torched him. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of mentioned coming out parties this was kind of the world seeing zach wilson being like oh this guy's fucking awesome like he just really is a legit quarterback prospect and it's the arm talent that i consistently am like damn just these off platform moving to his left rolling to his right they move him a lot in that offense in that byu offense because he can do it and do it really well and his ability to throw on the move I'm not sure there's anyone better in college football right now doing it on the move than him. Like, he just is very accurate when asked to make off-platform throws. And he's doing it without who is arguably going to be, like, their top-rated skill player, Matt Bushman. Like, Bushman was supposed to be, like, this uh, tight end that everyone liked coming. You didn't th- you didn't like he Bushman? Was, he wasn't that good, though. But. but Bushman was dominating for BYU in 2019. Yeah. Okay. He's doing it with, like, Mitt Romney's son now, Gunnar Romney out there <laughs> making plays. Uh, I love when you bring up the off-platform stuff like, uh, because I feel like you can find really quickly a kid's arm talent when he's making these throws off platform. Yeah. It's what we've seen. It's what it's the exact throws that make the highlight reel for Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. It seems when you're off platform, out of structure, and you're trying to sling it, 
And, and when you see it from Zach Wilson, even his incompletions look good. Mm-hmm. Like he can really, really put some juice on the ball. And when you're playing bad competition, small sample size, baby face, that all that stuff doesn't matter if you're putting heat on the football as, as every single team wishes they had Kyler Murray. Every single team wishes they had a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, these guys that can really spin it in the NFL right now. Last name on the list is, is a guy we talked about a ton and we'll continue to talk about probably throughout April's draft is Quiddy Pay of Michigan. Five pressures. He's been just insane this year, like legitimately insane. Yes, he has 19 pressures now through three games. And in this one, he had 10, we call blocks defeated, where he won as pass rusher. Didn't end up resulting in a pressure because the ball got out of his hands because, well, Michigan was getting housed by Michael Penix Jr., which you love to see. But And the thing was, it wasn't just... I'm Pay. I'm a freak athlete. I'm going to run through your offensive tackle, which was kind of like that's how Rashawn Gary won when Rashawn Gary was even at his best. It was he's just going to go right through you, and that's fine. You need a plan B. There was You saw it all, like rip move, bull rush, high swipe. Like You saw a ton of different moves from him to where it wasn't just kind of I'm a physical freak. It was I got some real polish behind me at this point, and that's, like I said, at the top, at the top of the show – I think I feel pretty confidently that this is going to be your first edge drafted in the 2021 draft at this point. Where do you think his three cone ends up? I just can't, I can't get on board with him having a better three cone. Three cone account. watch. Do we like do a three cone watch a week this week? I think it's going to be six. <laughs> but week. like, there's no way he's got a better three cone than Tyree kill. Like that's where he's like currently projected. Like people No, I know that's not seems... projected, but like reportedly has run yeah. like what a six, three or something. What was the three cone? Six, reported? three, seven. I would bet he ends up. So Von Miller is what six seven flat. I would bet he ends up around six seven five, six eight. If he JJ breaks Watt, six seven, JJ Watt was like six nine. I want to say, and that was pretty freaky. JJ Watt's two ninety. So six, but to me, to be more freaky than JJ Watt, I just like I don't quite see, like the <laughs> JJ Watt's a monster. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go six seven five. Can you imagine? I, one thing reason I love the combine seventy two pounds. One yeah. reason I love the combine is just how much Twitter just explodes when these guys like run fast times. Like yeah. when Antonio Gibson ran the four three nine, and, and when are we going to show the three cone this year though? Who knows? Fuck. Who knows? If, if, if Quiddy Pay is going to run a six three seven, they better, we better show that fucking fuck three cone. Damn live, okay? I want to see that thing live, yeah. and, and with with people in the stands. Maybe not with COVID, but I want. I, yeah, want to I see was going to say I want a packed house at Lucas Oil. <laughs> I want everyone wear a mask. No way. We'll have the vaccine by then. So we're good. Hopefully everyone pack the house for Quiddy Pace three con. All right. Last segment of the day. And I hate, I hate to end negative here, but it's the blackout mm-hmm. segment. And this guy's well-deserving a blackout. And I will say this, this name is, is big in the fantasy community right now. People are up in arms, ready to ready to just kill people over how poorly this guy has performed despite like expected volume and all that type of stuff. It's Indianapolis Colts rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor. He's not been good. And in fact, he's been bad. And this past week, he had a fumble that kind of benched him, killed him. Yeah, because went back for a touchdown on the hilarious Philip Rivers. Uh, yes, the one where he like falls up. on the that back. That was awful. Yeah. But he's broken only eight tackles on 106 attempts. And we said this coming out that he is not a shifty running back. I get that his, his testing was freakish, and he is this uh, monster athlete, whatever. But he did not shake guys in the open field. He was a between-the-tackles runner that could grind out yards consistently, and that's not – he has not been doing – he doesn't look decisive at all. Like, he never cranks it up at all in the Indianapolis Colts offense. It's just scary to see because running back position where the good ones translate, like, right out the gate. You look good or you don't right out the gate. You kind of know. 
Dude, and you want to talk about leash? Rookie running backs have a short leash. My yeah. friend, I know they spent a decently high pick on him, so he'll have some more run. But like, but that's funny. what I'm saying. because you know, like, you, like if you know a guy either has it or he doesn't pretty quickly. It seems like at that position. But I think you have to bring it up, and you said it. It's the indecisiveness. Like he doesn't look confident running behind this offensive line, the new system, whatever it may be. Like yeah. he does not. He's not putting his foot in the ground and doing what he did at Wisconsin because that's where he won. He put his foot in the ground, found the open hole, didn't break a ton of tackles, but just took it to the house. And you just have not seen that level of confidence and decisiveness from Jonathan Taylor. That's going to do it for – go ahead. And I was going to say, like, I think the reason people are so willing to draft running backs highly is because they feel like it's a safe pick. Absolutely. And because it looks like a safe pick because you can give them 250 carries and they're going to get 1,000 yards. But I think time and time again we see guys who are supposed to can't miss. Jonathan Taylor, it looks like a miss. Like he Missing, though, good. on a running back is, and is he, dreadful. And you're, yeah. I, I was talking to someone from Kansas City who was saying well, like, like they're to torpedoing take- their offense because they're trying to shoehorn him carries because they think he's supposed to be good, you know. Yeah, I was talking to a guy from Kansas City who said, "Well, I like taking Clyde Edwards-Helaire over some of these cornerbacks we could have taken or linebackers because it's a higher floor pick. You're getting a good player." Right. And I said, "Man, I, I still don't. I don't think the floor is worth it. Like you need to chase in the first round." better talent i'd say in the first top in the top 50 top 60 picks you need to chase the higher ceilings at other positions of higher value especially with that that rare opportunity where you see jonathan taylor not really panning out i'm not saying he's done it's not he's not a bust by any means but not panning out early and and that is really concerning for his fans and the indianapolis colts all right that's going to do it for the monday episode here of two for one drafts make sure you rate review and subscribe to the podcast we're getting a ton of fun comments i read in the comments i need to slow down i tried to slow down a little bit today I'm not good at slowing down. I got yeah, one speed. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't recognize any slower, but I, I'm sure you did try. Like, <laughs> I tried. Had, I tried. You guys have to realize he talks like this in real life. Like, there's no, there's no radio voice going here. I got one speed and it's go. Yeah. Like, that's all I have. And I, it's unfortunate. I'm trying to talk slower. I'm trying to make plays here. But leave some positive comments. Rate review to the podcast. Keep food on the table. Until the Wednesday episode, Mike Renner, again, will be in studio. He is back. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts. Hey.